Chapter Eight of the Silent Rifleman, a tale of the Texan Prairies by Henry William Herbert and James Jackson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by E. J. Wiley, Seguin, Texas. Chapter Eight: The Parting Supper. When Arthur Gordon issued out into the quiet courtyard, he found the partisan tranquilly superintending the preparations of the dragoons, who had already lighted a fire near the fountain and having rubbed down their chargers which were busy about better provender than they had enjoyed for many a day were now making their arrangements for the night the partisan having seen the baggage all packed securely went back and entered the rancho and crossing over to margarita asked her to guard julia as she would a sister i will guard her as my sister as my life she answered no harm shall come to her save through my life you shall find her safe when you return or you shall find us together. I know it, he said gloomily. I know it, Margarita. Yet I think we shall never meet again, he added in a whisper. We shall, we shall meet again, she exclaimed almost triumphantly. If not on earth, there, there, where there are no wars and no enemies, where we shall part no more forever. Amen, replied Pierre. Two hours later, and the horse tramps of the dragoons had died away in the distance, and Julia had wept herself into forgetfulness of her sorrows on the bosom of Margarita. The morning which followed the departure of Pierre Delacroix and his companions from the ruined rancho dawned as serene and gentle as the waking of a newborn child. The song of birds and the distant waterfall held Julia as she awoke from her slumbers, and the soft, melancholy singing of Margarita suddenly reminded her where she was. A moment afterwards the song ceased, the door flew open, and Margarita entered, leaving several choice and dainty edibles, and addressed her guest. "'You must pardon me, lady, if I perform these little offices myself, and intrude my services upon you, for the fortunes of war have imposed the task of such light labors on me, happier than many of my sisters, who are reduced to utter penury and ruin. Pardon me, rather, dear Margarita, for so you must let me call you, that I permit you just to wait on one who is so far in every way beneath you, except, she added, with a winning smile, that in all times and countries the character of a suppliant has been invested with a sort of mournful dignity. Is it so, lady? Is it so indeed? cried Margarita, half eagerly, half sorrowfully. Julia, Julia, she cried imploringly, will you call me Julia? I called you Margarita, dear, dear Margarita. Julia, dear Julia, then, replied the Spanish girl soothingly. Believe me, I thought not to wound you, but my heart bleeds, my heart burns when I think of my country and her wrongs. Hark, she exclaimed in a low whisper. Heard you that? Heard I what? cried Julia, terrified beyond expression at the sudden change in her tone, manner, and countenance. I hear nothing but the wind, the birds, the water. There, there again, said the other, standing erect and motionless, with her finger upraised, her head thrown a little backward, her lips apart, her nostrils dilated, her eyes fixed on vacancy. There, there it is again. They are coming. An instant afterwards, the jingling of spurs and the clang of a steel scabbard on the stone pavement of the outer room was heard approaching the door quickly. Then Margarita's face lightened for a moment as she sprang to meet the newcomer. It is Juan, she cried. It is my brother, and thanks be to God alone. The door flew open, and on the threshold stood the young gorilla, 
It was in the form of the attenuous without his effeminacy. It was the head of the conquering Bacchus without the sensuality. A specimen more perfect of young manhood never walked the earth. Madre de Dios, who is this? he asked. Brother, Juan, brother, exclaimed Margarita, seizing him in her arms and striving to embrace him. What have you done, mag girl? Who is this, I say? Who is this, Margarita? A suppliant, a fugitive, a friend, a sister, a sister of the partisan, of Pedro, my brother, Pedro El Salvador. An American, he said slowly, his brow gradually uniting into a black frown as he uttered the word, and his eyes growing lurid with a concentrated fire. Then laying his hand on the hilt of his stiletto, he murmured through his teeth, she must die. Never, no, for your life, for your soul, for the name of God, for the most holy virgin. No, brother, no, not while I live. He brought her here. He that preserved your life and my honor. He asked me to protect her, and I swore by my mother's soul, and now I swear it. Fool! He almost shouted in his rage as he thrust her aside violently. Carrera will be here within ten minutes, and all our lives are forfeit by your treason. We can conceal her in the niche, you know, in the niche. Sanchez and Estevania and Francisco need but a hint to make them mute as statues. We can conceal her brother and be saved. He knows that they came hither. We have traced their hoofprints to the very gate. A wounded soldier saw them leave their hiding place, and we met Carrera on the track. I know not how we failed to meet them. Where is Estevania? In arrest. And Francisco? And he likewise. Then we are saved. How saved? Go, tell them, you, to swear that the dragoons forced our hospitality by menace, which we could not resist. They were five strong, young men, well armed. What could we do? It may save us. Who knows? It will save us. Do it. Away. Every moment is a life. Then as he left the room in haste, she sprang up on the bed, touched a spring in the wall, and the back of the shallow niche in which the crucifix stood flew open, turning outward on a hinge, disclosing a small circular closet, lighted by a small air hole and containing a low stone bench wrought in the wall. Up! Up! she exclaimed, shaking Julie sharply by the arm, and aroused from her position by the dreadful emergency, and nerved by the firmness of the Spanish maiden, Julie did rise pale as a ghost, but calm and firm, and kissed and blessed her hostess, and mounted into the small hiding place, and drew the secret door close after her. Nearer and nearer came the bugle horn, and then the clang of hoofs, the orders of the officers, the din of the men dismounting, and the clash and clatter of their arms. Hurriedly, in the meantime, had Margarita thrust aside the few articles of Julia's clothing, which were scattered about the room, but when she thought that all was safe and the steps of the officers were heard in the outer hallway, she sat down quietly to her embroidery, and took up again her mournful song, and was singing tranquilly and unconcernedly when her brother again entered the apartment. End of chapter 8 Recording by E. J. Wiley, Seguin, Texas